630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Oilers 4-3. The Oilers had rallied from 3-1 down to tie it, but Hannafin getting the winner just shortly after Dreisaitl had made it 3-3. So the Oilers dropped to 18-13 and on the season. Here's some post-game reaction. Head coach Dave Tippett. Dave, just wanted to see what you saw or, or ask what you saw in your team's start tonight, maybe what was missing and, and ended up chasing the game a little bit after that. Well, we three of the four goals are just, just poor, a uh, couple of poor reads and a couple of uh, turnovers. That, you know, so our, our fingers are all over the goals we gave them. But it was, uh, you come out of the first period, you're, uh, you know, we knew they were going to come hard. We come out of it 0-0. We got to pick up the pace a little bit and then made some mistakes to get behind. We got ourselves back in the game and then we made another mistake to give it away. Overall, you guys have been going pretty good here, Dave, but it, but it's two in a row. Is there, a, is there a common theme in these two or is there something that's fallen out of your game the last few nights? No, we're, we're, we're just, uh, we'll continue to pound away here. We got to continue to get better. It's, you know, when we were winning it wasn't too high and when you're losing you're not too high you just got to make sure you're focusing on what the next game is and what you got to do to be uh, to be better mark specter sportsnet how do you coach those individual mistakes especially when they're being made by your top guys not every time but sometimes tonight mcdavid costs one up with the neutral mike smith has one go over stick like what does a coach do? Well, it's, not, it's, just, it's just not those. Those are those are turnovers. But on both those, like on the first one, McDavid's turnover, bare skate broken. He's going to the bench on a change. So that's you know you're looking at that puck's got to get in. But that being said, if bare skate's not broken, he's probably not going to the bench either. Um, <laughs> the Schmitty one's a bad one. It uh, it bounces. But to me, I think our defenseman should go help him more too. So. There's some things that, that go, it's just not one turnover. There's some things that go into into uh, the repercussions of a turnover that you should be able to clean up. But there, there, uh, there's some lessons to be learned from that game, and, and uh, we've got to be better uh, come Wednesday night. Okay, this, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems to me the minute it looks like Smitty's going to play a puck, the plan has always been for the defenseman to spread out. Right to go away and get be passing targets. Now to, in that play, they certainly avoided him, and it's. <laughs> but that the difference with that the, the difference in that one it was in the trapezoid where he can't go. So your defenseman's got to go and help him. Okay. All right. Thanks. Terry Jones, Post Media. Uh, Tiff, you, you referenced it uh, right from the start of the, even before the start of the season with these two game. Uh, uh, sense that it was uh you know really reminiscent of, of, of a playoff situation does that seem even more so going into this next one well they're all like that i mean it was a, we did the same thing last week against ottawa and you got two against calgary and then we got two against winnipeg and then we got three against montreal so they're all like little playoff mini mini series right so you treat them all the same uh but the situation with calgary and uh being Calgary and uh, with Darrow involved and everything like that, uh, you don't. Uh, it doesn't change our, our whole division. You got to take care of yourself, whoever you're playing in the division. You're playing the same teams over and over again. So it's Calgary, it's Winnipeg. I mean, if you look at our next two weeks, we got Calgary again, we got Winnipeg twice, you got uh, Montreal three times, and Toronto two times. So if you're focusing just on one team, we're focused on the next game, right? The next game. So it's that's what it's about. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hi, Dave. I was just wondering uh, on the status of Tyson Berry and then Jujar. How, how are they doing? Uh, I would say they're both day-to-day -day with upper body injuries. And with Jujar, no one wants to see that. You always kind of get a pit in the, in the you, know, you know, in your stomach when you see a guy get hurt in a fight like that. I just wonder how it affects the team and how it affects the bench. And, it, you know, it just seems like everyone, everybody, even both benches are a bit somber after that. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. You never like to see it, but you know, Juge was uh, was feeling all right after the first period. Guys came in, he was feeling all right. So we'll see where it goes. Jim Madison, Post Media. 
And the situation with Barry, he looked like he was trying to come back in the third period. Was that was that just a, a, a veteran saying, oh, I'll give it a shot and see? Because he came to the bench, obviously. Yeah, he came to the bench and then didn't, didn't feel right, so left again. And is that difficult having just five defensemen pretty much for 40 minutes? How difficult is that? Yeah, we're down two. I mean, we, lo we lose JJ early and then we lose uh, Barry in the set for the whole second period. So you're... Uh, you know, you're down a couple men. You got you got to tax some extra people. But that being said, I thought we hung around. We just made too many mistakes to give ourselves the best chance to win. Thank you. This concludes tonight's media availability. All right, there's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett, presented by Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Tip speaking after the Oilers are beaten four three by the Calgary Flames, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkinson. Robbie said it in the first clip there, three of the four goals against tonight, poor reads and turnovers by his team. Well, usually the team that makes the bigger mistakes and the most mistakes is the team that's going to be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, and the others made some doozies. Um, it was interesting when he talked about Bear breaking a skate and having go going to the bench, because you and I talked at the end of the period, what happened, why was there no one there? And he said, well, one guy was up in the rush and the other guy changed. Well, now you know why Bear changed. And, and that does uh, lessen the blame on a guy not getting it deep. Having said that, again, a uh, big mistake there. The Smith one, I, I still feel for Smith because he, he did get out there. He read the play that he could get out there before the puck. But as soon as, and this is interesting what Dave Tippett said, as soon as the puck went in the trapezoid, his players should have attacked and helped more. Having said that, that is a split-second decision, and it's hard to read because you're looking over your shoulder. You don't notice that he doesn't have the puck. But, yeah, the others made some big mistakes. And credit the Calgary Flames for creating those. That was a much, much more aggressive Flames team than we've seen at any point this year. And the, they didn't give the Oilers time to, to think today. Every time they, the Oilers got the puck, someone was on them quickly. And even the best players, if you are being attacked very quickly, don't have time to think, time to make a play, you can turn the puck over. You can make the mistake. And we saw that time and time again. Yeah, I thought it was a more passionate effort from the flames tonight they certainly uh, played with more pace in their game and the Oilers wound up out shooting calgary 31 27 that was a storyline coming in that the flames had only allowed 18 and 23 shots in their first two games under daryl sutter the Oilers down a goal most of the third period got to 14 shots in the third and i thought markstrom sean late in the game uh, nugent hopkins had a late look mcdavid did miss the net on his but four seconds left Pugliarvi, a great angle on the replay right behind Pugliarvi. Looked like he was putting it right where he wanted it to go inside the post and Markstrom got an arm on it. It's amazing how quickly uh, players in the National Hockey League can transport the game. Because it looked like when that puck went down there uh, near the end of the game and it got dumped down into the Oilers' zone, you're looking at, okay, there's how much time left? Okay, it looks like the Oilers aren't going to be able to mount nothing. And seconds later, you got Pugliarvi puck on his stick in a perfect shooting area. So it's one of those, you play it the last second. But yeah, Markstrom was brought to the Calgary Flames because they felt that was the missing piece. They got a world-class goaltender that can win games for you. And I think that's what we, when you have a goaltender, he's got he's to be a guy that's going to make the saves he's supposed to. But every once in a while, he has to win you a game. And we saw Markstrom last year with uh, the Vancouver Canucks. And we saw early in the year, the Canucks didn't have that kind of goaltending and, and, and a lot of the warts were exposed. Uh, he was fantastic late in the game today against the Oilers. The Oilers pressed, and I think that's when he was at his best. Yeah, good performance by Marster. Mike Smith takes the loss tonight. He made 23 stops, so Smith's record drops to 9-3 and three on the season. Markstrom is now 11-7-2. You can get us on the CertainTeed hotline, 780-496-0063. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. Just to clarify, Dave Tippett said that Kara and... Barry are day-to-day uh, -day with upper body injuries. The Oilers actually put out during the game that it was a lower body issue for, for Barry. So uh, we'll see what, what happens there. But obviously, uh, it's concerned that he might not be able to play the next game or beyond. And Jujar Kara just I mean, he got belted, Rob. He got mm -hmm. belted. Uh, Richie came out looking for something after Kara hit Shillington early in the game. 
Yeah, and I give credit to, to care. I give credit to anyone that drops their gloves. Um, it hurts. <laughs> Everyone says, oh, there's got to be more fights. You know, people that are saying that haven't been punched in the face enough, it hurts getting punched in the face. And uh, it was a good fight. Kara uh, went down once, got back up. And again, I, we talked about it at the end of the period there. Uh, very rarely do you see a punch land as hard as the one Richie threw and, and landed on Kara. And... I, I was a little nervous, honestly, watching it on TV and just the look in his eyes, the way his one arm was sticking straight up. I, I've seen guys get lose fights and, and serious injuries. So uh, good on Kara taking the fight. Uh, hopefully, as Dave Tippett said, that he's up, he's feeling better, and it's something that he's going to pass quickly and be able to get back in the lineup. But I would imagine, and I don't know what the rule is nowadays with, with concussion protocol, but to me, that was a concussion. And whatever the protocol is, I believe he will have to go through that. So I don't know if that's 48 hours, five days a week, whatever it is, because you can gussy it up any way you want. He was concussed in that fight. Well, and I would think the hit that led to that is going to be looked at as well. I agree. I, I, I sent you a text as soon as it happened. I think that's a game suspension. Um, it, it wasn't vicious. But the video replay that I saw, it was a direct hit to the head. There was no other body part on Shillington that was hit. It was all head. And, I mean, Kara had his shoulder in, down. He had his arm against his body. I mean, he went in for a clean hit. He just, contact was to the wrong part of the body of Shillington, and Shillington left the game for a while. So, to me, it will be looked at, uh, and I expect a fine or a one-game suspension. Well, headshots is a minimum two, right? So he oh, could get a two. Okay, he could get a two game spent. Like, cause remember when McDavid got the hit against the Islanders, it was auto, mm -hmm. it was automatic minimum, minimum in the regular season. Uh, obviously, Kajula, uh, who did Kajula hit in the playoffs? Ennis, I think he got he got one game, but in the regular season, it's it's uh, it's automatic two games. Four three, Calgary takes it tonight. We'll get more post game reaction in a few minutes. We'll go to the phone seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tony standing by. Tony, go ahead. Hey boys, uh, just a quick thing. Um, Oilers had what two power plays didn't capitalize on that. The one thing I'm wondering they had one. Is, they had one. Edmonton had one power play. Oh, they had one power play. Okay, I, I didn't. I couldn't remember. Um, so they had one. Calgary had two or three, right? Three. Um, three. How yeah. is the one that uh, Drysaddle was chipped on the face off, and then that's not called, but the one where. I think it's Yamamoto barely even touches um, Goudreau, and he goes down, and that's called and that's called a, a holding call. I have I have no answer for you. You have to ask a referee for that. I, I didn't find. I thought the referees are fine. They missed a couple both ways. I think both teams would be a little upset. I think the Flames would be quite upset that there wasn't a penalty on Kara early. I do believe that there was a couple penalties that easily could have been called on the flames that given the oh there's a more a power play or two i think that anytime a referee and most fans and players like when referees uh stay out of it don't want to have any they don't want to be the the reason that the outcome of a game is decided so they want to put their whistles away a bit but i do believe that the oilers benefit the more penalties that are called in a hockey game just because their power play has won them so many hockey games over the, the past number of seasons. But the referees today decided not to really call a whole lot, and I think that hurts the Oilers more than helps them. Yeah, I think I think two things I want to say about the officiating is that, first of all, and I think you make a, I think you make a good point, Rob, that ultimately I would think that fans and the participants don't want ticky-tack calls called when you yes. when you're watching a game and something happens to a player on the team you're cheering for you might want it called but then you don't want the same thing called with three minutes left in a tie game if it's not a, a, an obvious penalty so i do think we got to keep that in mind I, I you know i i've been able to interview usually when when officials are retired they might do some media um uh, you know, obviously the, the current referees and linesmen barely, if ever, are allowed to speak to the media. But I did have a referee, a former referee, say to me once that you, you, I said, what would you say to, to, to spectators and fans? And he, he, he said that the angles are different when you're on the ice than what you're seeing on TV or in the crowd. 
So I, I try to tell myself sometimes, because sometimes you see something on TV and it looks like, okay, he was impeded, and then I'll look and see where the official was, and then I'll think to myself, there's probably no way that ref could have seen that sticker, that hold, from, from where he was. So I, I know I'm talking to basically an Oilers fan base who just lost a game, so you probably don't care what I'm saying, but, that, but that's, <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. Now, the, the, other, the, other, the other thing is, and, and I know, you know from seeing stuff on social media, there's always the the people capture the clips of what could be a hold on McDavid of him being tripped or obstructed. And that's probably a part of a larger conversation is that our fouls on the stars in general enforced to the extent that, that people would like to me. No, those are, those are, yeah, they probably aren't uh, enforced enough, but yeah, I, I agree. So, and a lot of times you don't see what happens before the play. And sometimes the let, okay, I'm going to let, for example, Connor gives the guy a tug on the back of his jersey, and then by the time the camera shows, they show the guy giving Connor a tug back. Well, the referee let the first one go, so I'm going to let the second one go. And I'm just using Connor as an example. So you don't always see what happens before the play that shows up on your TV. And on the other, and the other side of it, being part of playing games and being out there many times, sometimes the ref, A, are bad, have off nights, and sometimes the refs are just looking the other way and just happen. I mean, the game is fast. You don't realize when you're watching on TV or if you're sitting in the stands how fast the game is, how quick you've got to make your decisions, how when you're a referee and you're looking one way and something happens, it might only be 10 feet away from you, but it happens so quickly that you, by the time you look, okay, I know something happened, but I don't know what it is because I'm getting yelled at by that player and the fans are booing. So it, it it's not an easy easy uh profession and anybody that complains about nhl refs all they have to do is watch whenever the world championships or 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 the olympics are played over in europe these are the best refs there are out there there's not even close they are by far the best referees they sometimes have off nights and there's probably one or two that aren't very good but this is the best you're going to get yeah, and I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable debating calls, but I, I think for the most part, uh, you know, I think the refing's been fine this year. I, I, I mean, really, I thought there was one terribly refereed game, and I actually thought most of the calls helped the Oilers. That loss they had to Toronto, and Edmonton wound up yep. with like seven power. Mm-hmm. I think there were bad calls both ways, but I, I didn't think it was uh, was when it was an issue tonight. And uh, yeah, Calgary was 0 for 3 on the power play, and uh, the Oilers were 0 for 1. Okay, Josh Archibald had a goal tonight. You'll hear from him in a couple of minutes. Oilers fall 4 3 in Calgary. Heartland Ford, overtime open line. All right, after a scoreless first period, it got busy in the second period. Dubé, Lindholm, Larson, Mangiapane, and then Archibald. It was 3-2 Calgary after two. Leon Dreisaitl, shortly after the Oilers killed a penalty, they came out with a lot of energy. McDavid set him up. Dreisaitl got his 17th. It was tied, but only briefly. A minute seven later, Noah Hannafin scored. That was with 13.28 to go, and the Oilers could not tie it, so they lose their second in a row to fall to 18 and 13 on the season. Fifth meeting of the year between the Oilers and the Flames. The uh, Oilers now have a 3-2 edge as Calgary goes to 14-12-3, and 3-0 with Daryl Sutter. Behind the bench, you can get us on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. That's also the number to text. Uh, Matt writes in, he says, Tyler Ennis on the second line, Pooley on the second line, Nugent Hopkins minus a million since he doesn't play with one of the big guys. I don't see how any sane person can look at this team and think they can compete with good teams in the playoffs. It's wild. See, Matt, that's where Matt, that's where I'm going to challenge your text. The part of a person's brain that makes them a sports fan is not the sane part, Matt. You got to accept that before you write in messages like that, right, Rob? If uh, if, well, if, I, if people if, I, if the I've been listening to I got I'm on a texting I got buddies that are diehard or their fans that they've wanted to trade half the team when they're losing then all of a sudden they're all superstars and this is the team going to win the Stanley Cup then the next day I've trade them all again that's part of being a, a fan but uh, the Oilers have still got uh, parts of their team that need to be corrected uh, we've seen that when you play weaker teams and Leon and Connor playing together can score the four or five points that you don't notice that the second, third, fourth lines aren't as strong. Uh, when you play better teams, then all of a sudden you realize, huh, those teams are shutting down our top line. We need someone else to, to, to drive the bus, and the others can't. But having said that, 
the teams in the north, they all got flaws. They all do. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, as good as they were against the Oilers the other day, they've won, won one game since and have lost to Ottawa. Uh, they got beat up pretty badly by the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets just lost to Montreal. Winnipeg needs help on the back end. Toronto needs help on the back end, it seems, at times. Uh, Montreal can't score a lot of the nights. Um, the Calgary Flames tonight, I mean, their top score, top players, you know, Goudreau, Monaghan, they haven't been the same as they were a couple of years ago. These Every team has flaws in the Northern Division. So that's why, you know, you make the playoffs. <laughs> Any team that makes the playoff out of the North can move on to the next, to the final four. And I truly believe that. So that's why, to me, get to the dance. And then all you need is a little bit of puck bunk, but yeah, a little bit of puck luck and a hot goaltender, and you can move on. So yeah, there's flaws on the others, but I don't know. I still I still like a lot of the things that they do. Well, I mean, you're right. Just uh, just make the playoffs. And, and I mean, I've said this a million times. The Oilers are a good team. They are not a great tier team. Great team. Like to me, they're in a, the, uh, the second tier of teams um, in the National Hockey League, you know, where you can probably finish. I mean, last year they were... 12th overall in points percentage when the league shut down. I don't, I don't even look at the overall standings this year because it's not as relevant. I guess I, can, I guess I can quickly uh, look at it. I'm going to go by points percentage. Although they it, it are, doesn't really matter this they're, they're, year. Because... They're right in the middle pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah they, I mean, they, I... But the thing is, if you, if you make it to the, 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 the final four, you don't have to beat a lot of teams to get to the final four now. You just have to beat the teams in your division. So there's... Uh, if you got a really strong division, it's really tough getting out of. You could have six teams that are better than anyone in the North in your division. It just works. That's the way it works this year because you're not going by conferences. Uh, the Oilers on any given night can beat any team in their division. They've shown that this year. I think there are three better teams in the division. I think Toronto, Winnipeg, and, and Edmonton are the three top teams. And then I think there's a little bit drop-off, and you have Montreal and Calgary, and then a, a, another drop-off to Vancouver and and to Ottawa, but I do believe that any of the four teams that make the playoffs have a chance, a, a legitimate chance to move into the final four. Once you get to the final four, well, anything can happen because by then teams are beat up, goaltending, whatever. But the Oilers, yeah, there are flaws, but I tell you right now, uh, the compete and the battle level in the Oilers is at its highest I've seen since I've been with the Oilers. And even games that they lose, I mean, that was a competitive, fun hockey game to watch. The one in Vancouver, both those games, tonight in Vancouver, they easily could have won those games with a bounce here or there. And there's been games this year where they could have lost with a bounce going the other way against them. But they are competitive in, in every game. And you and I, Reed, have done a number of games where 10 minutes into the first period, we're like, we have zero chance of winning this hockey game. And I don't believe that anymore when the others take the ice. Well, and if you look at, if, if you just go by the team's record in their last 10 games, Winnipeg is best at six three and one next best is vancouver at six and four and now toronto and edmonton are both five and five so it's it's tightening up a little bit which we mm -hmm. which we thought it would you know the the points percentage and, and i and i hope i hope people understand why i'm doing this because if you look at the points it tells a different story i think in a shorter season where there's a there's usually been quite a large discrepancy in the number of games played because in the north division there's always one team that's a, sort of on a bit of a buy because there's seven teams so that's why i'm doing it by points percentage of all the points you could have got how many do you have toronto's at 667 winnipeg's Tighten the gap at 643. Montreal's 589. Edmonton's 581. And uh, Calgary's 534. So, you know, Calgary's bumped up a little bit. So I, I think it is an interesting race to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got to avoid the Oilers. They've only lost three in a row all, once all season long. That was Toronto. So now the next challenge is avoiding that coming up on Wednesday night. Three goals for Edmonton tonight. That means a $300 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. They are given 100 bucks every time the Oilers score this season. One guy who scored tonight, Josh Archibald. Here he is. Let's start with, I guess, your thoughts on the game. Looked like you guys uh, kind of found your legs after that first period. Yeah, I think we were a little slow in the first, but we've turned things around. Um, you know, I think we just, we just made more mistakes than them, and they capitalized on us, and uh, I think that was just the telltale of the game. They lost some bodies in that game, I guess. Just how, how tough was it when, when your bench uh, gets short like that? Yeah, it's definitely hard when you go down a guy. Well, two for our case, a 
forward and a defenseman. So it kind of screws things up, screws the flow of the game up. But, uh, you know, I thought we battled hard and um, just didn't go our way tonight. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, you mentioned Josh mistakes. Was that the tail of the tape? I mean, it, you had some chances, especially in the third period, but the mistakes you make were fairly uh, fairly important in the game, and they kind of, kind of capitalized, especially even the winning goal by Hannafin. Yeah, I think if we limit our mistakes, uh, limits their chances and their goals. Um, you know, unfortunate for us, we just made more mistakes than them tonight, and they uh, capitalized on them. Uh, and you pointed out that... that uh, when a forward goes out so early in the game, it screws up all the lines. How difficult is it as a forward? I mean, you scored a goal, obviously, from, from a nice pass from Devin Shore, but are you thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to be playing on two or three different lines then? Yeah, uh, it's just it's just hard, you know. We had a good flow going in the first period, you know, when Juji was out there. Uh, so when he went down, it was uh, it was tough to keep that flow going. But, you know, it's it's kind of nice getting thrown out with other guys too because you create some new chemistry. But uh, just we just couldn't do it tonight. Thank you. Mark Specter, Sportsnet. Maybe you could speak to Mike Smith. Uh, he, he, I think for the first time this season, makes a puck handling mistake. It ends up in his net. Uh, how do players view that when you consider all the times that he makes the right play when handling the puck? I don't know if I'd really call that mistake. Just bounces over his stick before it gets to the trapezoid there, and you know he can't play it, so he's tried to get back to his net. But uh, you know, I think he's one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, at making plays uh, and helping us out. And I mean, he did a lot of that in the third period, knocking pucks down and you know moving it to our defensemen. So uh, you know, we got to keep letting him do his thing. Did you notice much of a difference in this Calgary team? They looked like a much. They played a harder game. They were much. They're difficult opponent. Four lines coming at you. What did you think compared to what you'd seen? Whatever it was two weeks ago. Yeah, they got a lot of jump, and uh, they're just coming a lot harder. You know, four checks, neutral zone four check. Uh, you know, they're just going two guys hard, and uh, I think uh, for us, we just got to realize what they're doing and move the puck quick. All right, that is Josh Archibald gets his fifth of the season tonight. It was late in the second period, made it three two at the time. Flames going to beat the Oilers four three. Chris writes in, he says, uh, Bear had a rough night. I thought Tippett would have put Bear on the power play when Barry got hurt. But uh, when Bouchard gets to show everyone he's ready, he'll get more minutes, maybe, maybe more around 18. And, you know, if, if Barry can't go, I would think that Bouchard is the obvious choice to come in on Wednesday. Um, well, maybe the only choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, but you got to remember, too, I mean, Barry plays 22, 23 minutes a night. Um, Bouchard was only playing 10 minutes a night for Tippett. I don't know if they've got the trust in him yet defensively. So they've got nurse for their power play. So it's not like they have to put a power play guy in. Um, I, so I would say I would. it's probable for Bouchard, but I don't think it's an automatic because Russell can always switch and go over to the right side. And we've seen that many times before. So I'm hopeful that you see Bouchard, but... I mean, other guys were playing ahead of him before. So, yeah, it makes sense that he's a right-handed guy that can play on your power play, but I don't think it is automatic. I think it's probable, but not. I don't think it's automatic that he's going to be the guy going in. Well, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't go on the power play. I, w I would think no, first, no. just so continue to play on the power I, play. Again, so then that's then I don't know why he would be the automatic guy. If Russell can play in the right, you throw Jones back in there. Jones is has been ahead of Bouchard on the depth chart. And when Bouchard, his last few games he played, was only playing 10 minutes. So I, I don't know. It, may, it makes sense being a right-handed guy. You go righty-lefty the whole way through. But I don't think it's slam dunk that Bouchard will be the guy with Jones still sitting out and there's a possibility he could go into. All right, that's our adjustment of the game, courtesy Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. On the Certainty Hotline, we have Richard standing by. Richard, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that Smith was out of the trapezoid, right, when that gold happened. Yeah, that's why he had to be careful not to touch the puck. He was in the corner there. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, me and the wife were kind of counteracting that. I just wasn't understanding even in being a goalie myself. But anyways, yeah, so that that uh, I, I was talking to your announcer there and I, or your producer, and I, I was going to ask you guys, what goal did you think was the best goal of the night? 
The the best goal of the night? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, nice, oh, like, very good question. Um, well, the Dubé goal I, was a good shot. The yeah, Dubé goal. I mean, dry settle. Dry settle. That's dry settle. Curled yeah. it in and put it over. Yeah, Leon shot over his shoulder. Well, it's funny. Leon's shot is one of those ones that, I mean, there's very few guys in the game tonight that were capable of making that shot. So, I mean, that was a pretty well, that, goal. Yeah, well, just that backhand that he did. We all thought he was going to put it just to McDavid or whatever. Then he just totally reverses it, backhands it to Buddy on the other side, and he gets a clean shot. It was just, it just blows my mind, that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, you guys got a fantastic show, man. Yeah, really appreciate your insight for sure. Yeah, thanks for listening, Richard. Thanks for giving us a call, 780-496-0063. Uh, we have uh, Kevin from Stony Plains says the Oilers should trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Do not pay him six years at $6.5 million. He's not a top six forward, center, or winger. Move on from him while you still can or sign him for one year and expose him for the expansion draft. The calf space is more important than what Ryan Nugent Hopkins brings. Well, that's going to be an ongoing story to see how that is handled. We have Robert standing by as well on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, how's it going? Good. Well, I mean, you know what? I think overall, I, I mean, I, I think the others played good, but, I mean, you know, just about... I think uh, I think on that. Uh, I, I want to add a little bit on the uh, the the goal where the puck bounced over Smith's stick and then and then uh, he he kind of got caught out there. I kind of I, I kind of want your guys to take on this. Do you think Smith instead of because it kind of looked to me like he was more or less puck watching, but I kind of wonder. Do you guys think if he misses it, should, should Smith just just back up? Just, just you know, like retreat back into the net and just, just leave the puck there. Because I, cause I kind of think if he'd have done that, I think he would have been, I think he would have made the save there. I, I, well, I'm gonna I trust. I'm going to trust Mike Smith on that his decision. Uh, once the mistake was made, I think he has the best idea of if he can get back in time or not. Uh, to me, I, and I listen, and I thought Josh, Josh Archibald said it best. It was a bad bounce. Um, Mike Smith got there in time. The puck bounced over his stick. Then he was in trouble. I don't. I think his thought is, okay, I'm going to try and interfere with the guy coming in. Hopefully, my defenseman will be able to come in and bail me out. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, but I, I think that when you're in that position, the guy that's on the ice has the best idea of what he's capable of doing and not. And I'm guessing he figures if I leave now and start to go back to the net, I'm going to be facing away from the puck. I won't be able to see what he's doing. And I'll give, he'll be able to get it quicker. So I think Mike Smith was just in a decision where he had two bad choices to make, and the bad choice he chose cost him a goal. I think either way, that puck was going in the net. Yeah, it looked like it kind of got it got in a tough. So I guess the other thing, Rob, and I don't think I don't know if a player would ever do this, is if he really thought he was not going to recover, you could touch the puck in the no zone and just get a penalty. <laughs> But it wasn't an open net. I mean, he's, yes. he was he was almost back. And I'm not saying you know it was a it turned out great, obviously. But it wasn't like the the two the one the one goal, especially last year against LA early in the season. He was still behind the net when the puck went in. I mean, that yeah. that, I, that I, was a bad. One. I, yeah, I mean, I see what you're thinking there, but I think he felt that okay, uh, I can still there's still a chance. But I think if yeah, if there's a chance for you, okay, I'm done. I'm taking the penalty, and I'll let my penalty fielders try and save me. Here's the text of the night from Cletus, who says, is Anthony Hopkins related to Ryan Nugent Hopkins? <laughs> well, it was the silence of the flames tonight. That's the best I could come up with. Calgary wins at 4-3. Jenny's going to finish the play when we get back. Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Battle of Alberta goes to Calgary this evening, 4-3, the final. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. The uh, COVID protocol list still includes the name Kyle Turris from your Edmonton Oilers. Sean has written in. He says, do you think the Oilers will miss the hole left by Kara in the lineup if he's, if he's out for a small stretch of games? If so, do you think a stretch of losses could force a trade made by Ken Holland, to, depending on what he evaluates as being the position to fill? Well, I don't, I, I don't know if he's would rush to make. I mean, the the deadline's April twelfth anyway. So, if he waits another week, 
And if they've lost a few games, I don't know if that would change his timeline too much. Uh, but, I mean, if Kara's gone, Rob, they're going to have to shuffle some things around, especially if Tourist remains on that list for a few more days. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, a month and a half ago, uh, someone said, if Jujar Kara's out of the lineup, do we have to make a trade to try to fill that spot? People would have said, what? Are you kidding me? But that shows you how far Jujar Kara's come and how well he's played as of late. Uh, his penalty killing has been good. His five-on-five -five play has been exceptional considering where he was uh, earlier in the season when he uh, was, you know, waived and in the taxi squad. So it, there is a, a drop-off without Jujar Kerr in the lineup. I don't believe any trade is going to come because I don't believe he's going to be out long-term. If you trade for someone, that means you're giving up an asset or, asset or giving up uh, draft picks to fill a spot for a guy who's going to be coming back right away. Now all of a sudden you got to put that guy through waivers or on your own taxi squad. So I think Jujar will be back sooner than later if what Dave Tippett was was saying is is correct, where he was up and at him and, and talking to the guys. So, uh, But there will have to be some changes going into the next game. And the thing that hurts with Jujar being out, these Calgary games are the kind of games that you need Jujar Kara in for. A big, strong, physical guy's ability to throw a big hit today. He was in a fight. That's the kind of player you need in these uh, games against the Daryl Sutter Hockey Club. So he will be missed. Uh, and then you got to also wonder how long it is until we see Cassian again. Uh, you, I would expect he will be coming back soon, and that is a big body that the others were would be desperate to get back in the lineup as soon as possible. Yeah, and Dave Tippett said he is not yet cleared for game action, but it seems to be he's getting pretty close. Flames win it 4-3. You can get us on the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Jenny standing by who's going to finish the play this evening. But first, Jenny, what's your thought or your question? Actually, it's Penny, not Jenny. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, it's uh, Penny calling. I'm just a... I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the fact that I'm kind of upset that nobody stepped up to to uh, protect or stand up for Jujar after what happened to him. Because basically, Richie stood up for uh, the hit that Jujar made on his guy, and then nobody like Nurse or anybody like that stepped up for him after he got his belt rung there. So what do you guys think about that? I, I just think that that wasn't very good on behalf of the Oilers, that nobody stood up for him. Well, on the play, the reason that Richie came out is it was it was a cheap hit, is what they're thinking. He came in, it was a headshot uh, to an unsuspecting player. So you stand up for a player in that situation. As for the fight, uh, I would say Kara and Richie would be in the same uh, weight class. They're both uh, big boys that are both capable of handling themselves. And Kara took the fight. So it wasn't as if Richie jumped him. Uh, or, or came off the bench and went straight at him. They they talked about it. They decided to fight. They 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 squared off and then they fought. Just one guy won. So in that situation, you, you don't go out uh, looking for retribution. It's just one guy won the fight. If it would have been something cheap or someone jumping him, then you'll see a player go after and try and help him out. So no, I don't think there needed to be a response. Um, so I, I think I, uh, Kara. I mean, it was. I give credit for Kara for taking the fight, uh, but yeah, no, it was it was clean. It was just unfortunate that Richie landed the biggest punch in the fight. All right. Yeah, that sorry. makes sense. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Can you is, can you give me your name again? It's Penny. Penny, like, like the, the one coin. Penny. Yeah, like the one coin. Rob, you okay. know me from St. Albert. I'm the trainer for St. Albert, Penny. Oh, I know, Penny. How oh, you wow. doing, Penny? She <laughs> is a Reed, with, without a doubt, Reed, she is the greatest trainer in the history of minor hockey. Without a doubt. Oh, that's no, awesome. No question. She is, she is an all-star that everyone that's ever had her as a trainer, everybody knows Penny. Well, yeah. and everybody in St. Albert knows each other, right? So here we go. Well, that is Reed, true. That is Reed, true, Reed. We, Reed Go ahead. Reid, uh, Reid, you you got to have, you know, the secret password to get into St. Albert. We don't let anyone in, you know. Well, yeah. I obviously <laughs> don't Reed, know. I, just, I, also want, I also want to say, Reid, it was awesome you had Megan Mickelson on today because I uh, I was a trainer for Megan Mickelson for many, many years, even when she started as Bantam Triple in St. Albert. So it was awesome to see her on your show today uh, today earlier. So it's oh, great awesome. to see that. I can't I can't believe she's a mother. I'm very, very old, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, uh, 
We'll try to make finish the play easy for you. You already have a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Hungry Herd, top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. Kellen Kennedy has cooked up a clue. Ennis up through center, through a second man. Beautiful feed, Nugent Hopkins. Shot, Pugliarvi. All right, Pugliarvi taking a shot with four seconds left in the third period. Did he score? No. Ennis up through center, through a second man, beautiful feed, Nugent Hopkins, shot, Pugliarvi, blocker, save, made by Markstrom. All right, Penny, the best trainer of all time, has her name going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. There you go, Rob. Somebody you she know. She's a really nice, really, really nice lady. I've got to know her over the last number of years. She's, uh, you know, she is one in a million. So I was good she was on the show tonight. All right, let's check the scoreboard here, Rob. This will be courtesy of Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. So uh, we mentioned that there were other games in the North Division tonight. And it was the Canucks winning 3-2 over the Senators in overtime. And the Canadians beat the Jets 4-2. A couple more goals for Toffoli. He's up to 17 on the season. Penguins beat the Bruins 4-1. Panthers over the Hawks 6-3. Flyers win in overtime 5-4 against the Rangers. Voracek got the winner in that one. Capitals pound the Sabres uh, 6-0. Man, Rob, Buffalo is 6-17-4 on the I, season. I I listened to you and John Shannon talk about it earlier, and and I, I agreed in to everything that he said. It is a tough situation right now in, in Buffalo, and what he and he talked about you can't fire the coach because the, I mean he's got him under contract, and you're not making the playoffs, but you've got an inexperienced GM. There, there's got to be big moves this year by the Buffalo Sabers at the trade deadline because they got some guys, big name guys that you can actually get something for. So it's almost like do you not bring someone in? to help guide your GM because I mean, what they do at the trade deadline could have ramifications over the next number of years. I mean, they got Taylor Hall there that, I mean, unrestricted free agent at season's end. Uh, could he make a difference on some team going into the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, you want to make sure that whatever the Buffalo Sabres do here at the deadline is something that's a positive, but Oh my goodness. It is so so sad what's going on in Buffalo. You thought this year Taylor's Hall signing there, maybe they're going to make a push, and it has gone so sideways for the Buffalo Sabres. And you feel for Ralph Kruger, too, who we all know is a, a really, really good person. It just has not worked out there. Predators knocked off the Lightning 4-1, and the Golden Knights get by the San Jose Sharks 2-1. Stone got the game winner early in the third, his 10th of the season. Did you watch the the Briar yesterday, Rob? Botcher I, I did. I did. Yeah, it was awesome. that was pretty exciting. I mean, it was pretty cool uh, watching because the two Alberta teams. Over the last number of years, I've got to know Benny Bear pretty good from the Cooey team. I've I've met and, and done some events with Kevin Cooey as well, so uh, I know those guys. And I mean, they are world class. I mean, they are one of the best teams in the world, if not uh, going into this, the best team in the world. So it was fun to watch, but oh. There were some incredible shots. And and I found it absolutely amazing at the end when the four Alberta guys are looking, or the sorry, the wildcard guys, Cooey's team's looking, looking. Do you see anything? You see anything? Yeah, no. And he shakes hand. They didn't even try for an all-world yeah. shot because they knew that Botchard well, had them. And, and they were also out of time. Well, yeah. Right? They, they were 30, down to their last. If, if they would have had five minutes, they probably would have thrown some kind of crazy shot, but they just they didn't have time to plan it. Though I don't think there was anything there to get two well, to tie, I, let alone honestly, three to win. Had, even if they had five minutes to, to decide, I think they are so good and so smart. And Cooey looked at it in five seconds. He's like, yeah, he's got us. And, yeah. good, and good on Team Alberta. Team Alberta, that, I mean, what a run they've had. Four straight finals at the Briar. That's pretty amazing. So it's, uh, it, they look like a team for uh, that are going to be good for a long, long time. So Alberta is well represented in the curling world, as usual. And it was an exciting, exciting match. I love watching curling. And the one thing I love about curling, watching on TV, I find the analysts incredibly um, intelligent. Uh, they, they, the way they explain things, it's like, huh, okay, that's why they're doing that. So I really enjoy watching curling more 
on TV than I do live because I learn a lot more from watching the guys that give me the the clues on what the, the curlers are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Flames win at 4-3 tonight. The three stars, Backland, Pane, and Lindholm. Rob and I picked the fourth star for Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. Your hockey destination. Make your reservation, Mr. Mike's. .ca. Well, we got the full Oilers roster available <laughs> because the three stars picked were all off uh, Calgary. You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to. We try to pick someone a little different. I'm gonna give Josh it to Archibald. Devin Shore. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you know what? Those those, those two. Guys. I think that, I thought those two guys both played very well. And you know what, Devin Shore? What a pl- pass he made. The play he made, Archibald on the goal. Like Archibald scored it, and it was nice. He went to the net. He tipped it perfectly. But yeah, Devin Short, what a nice play. And how well has he played since he's come back into the lineup? Uh, to the point where y- y- like, you don't want to pull Devin Short out of the lineup. He's earned that spot, and uh, he seems to be getting better each and, each, each and every game. So that it was uh, an, a big goal at the time for the Edmonton Oilers from you know, a third or fourth line. Yeah, I mean, they, they fought back, but as Tip said, some self-inflicted wounds uh, wound up in their net. And then, they, I mean, they only had the one power play, but they, they they couldn't come through. I actually thought the Oilers' penalty killing was better tonight than it has been. I thought Smith made probably one big save on each of the Flames' power plays, which you need from your, your goaltender. But they got some good clears tonight, had a shorthanded chance. Um, Archibald got in for that shorthanded chance as well that would have could have been big at the time. Yeah, it was it was a nice save on that one. Actually, was it Shore that sent him in on the shorthanded chance too? It might have been. I'm trying to no, remember. It, but was either him or Nuge that flipped it in front? Yeah, nice play. Anyway. But yeah, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, no, I thought I thought uh, the penalty killing. If the Oilers want to be uh, a division winner, and it's still well within their grasp, one of the biggest things they're going to have to improve on will be penalty killing. Uh, that has been which was a strength last year, has been a bit of an Achilles this year. Now, having said that, uh, there's a lot of goals scored in the North Division. <laughs> there's some pretty right. good power plays. <laughs> so the, I don't know if any of the teams in the North Division have good penalty-killing units because there's so much talent on the power plays that they go up against. Uh, but if they can get their penalty-killing up about 4 or 5%, that'll go a long way in them securing first in the division come season's end. All right, the Oilers lose 4-3 to the Calgary Flames whenever they get to five or more in a game. We turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Japanese Village Restaurants, thrilled to serve you again for dine-in and takeout. Complete details, jvedmonton.ca. You'll hear from Adam Larson when we get back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Calgary 4, Edmonton 3 is the final courtesy Mattress Superstore. Here's Adam Larson. Adam, it seemed like a, a more sluggish start for your group tonight. Do, do you agree? And, and you know, you ended up having to chase that one a little bit as a result? Uh, yeah, I mean, they came out hard. Uh, they play a really structured, strong game with their, their new coach. Uh, but I thought we came back and we had we had a chance to win the game, and but we didn't, so... Um, a couple in a row here. You guys have been on a, on a real nice run. Maybe just, uh, is there a common theme spread across these last two, do you think, Adam? Are you getting away from something that was going well before? No. I mean, I th- I still think we, we're doing a lot of good things. Uh, we get enough chances to win games. Uh, today we came up short, but uh, we're still a confident group. We just have to play a lot harder, but uh, I still think we create a lot to enough to win. Harry Jones, Post Media. Well, it's we, we've talked a lot this uh, season about how uh, these two-game series seem like playoff-type uh, situations. Does that seem uh, even more evident with these two with Calgary in this situation? Well, I mean... Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's a rival game. Uh, it means a lot to both both teams. Uh, the pride is going into that, uh, but I think uh, we just uh, we just need to find find ways to win games, no matter who we play. Thank you, Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Can you speak, uh, Adam, to the value to I guess your your thoughts on Mike Smith. Uh, when he's handling the puck, uh, 
you know, fans and people's, he was going to make the highlights tonight because he handled one and it didn't work out and it went in his net. Uh, maybe all the other chances that he handles that don't make the highlights, what would you say about those? Well, I mean, he uh, he's an awesome stick handler. He he gives us a lot of a lot of easy breakouts the way he play. Uh, he's gonna give up once in a while, but I mean, it's he gives us a lot more. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't really know what's going on today, but it was still a, still a fluky goal. I mean, that will happen. Uh, he's I thought he played on real the rest of the game, and even before that too. He I mean he. Like I said earlier, we had we had enough to win the game, uh, and we're really trusting and and liking Smitty back there. He brings a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of swagger. So he is uh, he's a tremendous goalie. So two games in a row where your team played pretty well in both games, but you didn't win, right? Yeah. Uh, now you got another game coming up next time. It's very I would think it's important not to keep singing that same song that we played well, we just didn't win. What has to happen that you that you're not doing that on Thursday, uh, Wednesday? Just have to win the game. That's that's how simple it is. I mean, it's there's no secrets behind it. We just need to win. Eric Van Dijk, Post Media. Adam, can you uh, just give us a thought on your goal? Uh, that uh, you're usually not that far up the ice, I guess, uh, in usual circumstances. How did you see the play? Uh, I mean, when you're playing with Connor and Leon and those guys, they're they're rolling a lot, around a lot and creating a lot of confusions. So um, I happened to be in front of that and a score on the rebound there. So it was, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. And I want to ask you about when you lose a defenseman when Tyson goes down and he can't come back for the for the last two periods how does that affect the rotation and how does that affect everything on the on the back end now where, where you got to go with five guys and now you're not playing with, with necessarily the same partner every shift um i think a lot of the guys on this team have seen a lot of partners uh throughout this year so we're we're comfortable with each other uh obviously you don't want to see a player like barry go down but um i thought we battled hard uh and we're used to each other so i was that was easy for easy for us to have different partners. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, did you see where Tyson Berry perhaps got hurt? Because he, he sat in the dressing room the entire second period, but kind of came out to start the, you know, before the first faceoff in the third and, and he couldn't go. Were you evident, you know, was it evident to you that he was hurt on a specific play or he just he was as surprised as anybody when he wasn't there? Well, I mean, it's... Uh... It's an injury that we will keep in the room, uh, but he was he was truly missed out there. That is Adam Larson after the Edmonton Oilers lose 4-3 to the Calgary Flames. You can get more on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 630chet. Our next game broadcast is Wednesday night, 6 o'clock face-off show Puck drop at 8. Once again, Oilers at Flames. Don't forget, Bob has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.